What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that just wants to give you our story, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Aaron. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he feels like home to me, like family. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, one person. (laughs) Each week, we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He's got bigger problems than blow dryers. It's Ian Whittington, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Hello. I'm so glad you said blow dryers. (laughs) Yes. You're welcome. You are welcome. Uh, Ian, it's so good to have you back. Uh, Already, (laughs) it's good to be back. Life to the show. Um, (laughs) We are going to be chatting Sopranos. uh, Well, not technically Sopranos, Many Saints of Newark, which is a Sopranos prequel film, uh, as well as Venom Two, which is technically not Venom Two, but called Venom: Let There Be Carnage. uh, Just so uh, I get all the the particulars. Actually, well, actually, is out the way. No, there's one more. Well, actually, technically. Uh, Many Saints of Newark, colon, A Sopranos Story uh, is the full title mm-hmm. uh, of the film, which, you know, is just, I guess, our modern world in uh, expanded sure. universes, uh, Star Wars stories, Marvel stories, and uh, Sopranos story. So there you go. We're going to be talking about that stuff. 
We're gonna do best stories, ever stories. Ch- stories. We're gonna do best ever challenge on um, TV shows that have become movies. Uh, so we'll we'll get into that as well. And of course, we'll have some buried treasure uh, at the end to chat about too. All hearts clear. Everybody feeling okay? Ready to chat some movies? Full hearts can't lose. All right. I have a cardigan. <laughs> Got my cardigan on. I'm all ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready. All yeah. right. Let's get into it. Chat a little bit about Venom. Let there be carnage. Eddie Brock, I want to give you my story. People love serial killers. Cletus, why me? What's mine? It's yours. And what's yours? It's mine. I have tasted blood before, and that is not it. After finding a host body in investigative reporter Eddie Brock, the alien symbiote must face a new enemy, Carnage, the alter ego of serial killer Cletus Cassidy. Uh, Cletus Cassidy is played by Woody Harrelson. And then, of course, you've got Tom Hardy back as uh, Eddie Brock. And then a series of ones and zeros playing Venom and Carnage. Uh, So this is, again, a follow-up to... A mildly to highly successful uh, debut by the Venom movie. It did really well, um, and I think has grown in people's estimation. Yeah, made a lot of money, and I think has grown in people's estimation even since then. I think uh, it is one of those that is a really fun rewatch, and so I think people have been going back to it and enjoying Hardy's performance and some of the stuff in the first movie. So, how do they capitalize on that? How does this work for you guys? Uh, do you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Uh, I will say before we continue on with the review, uh, Ian. Yeah, ac- Ian, what do you think? Ian across. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Ian is across the <laughs> pond, and they have not released it there yet, so he was not Big able. Sigh. Uh, to check out Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So, Andrew, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Uh, I really liked it. Nice. I really liked it. Yeah. Very nice. Um, I, What about you? I am in the liked it. If, if not the middle of liked it, then just slightly edging towards the low side of liked it, but probably middle liked it. And maybe you'll convince me to even more like it by the end. Um, I... I had so much fun with this movie, and I guess since since yeah. you you liked it more, Andrew, I'll let you go first. What what are some of the things that gave you such a good experience? It's the simple fact that if you can count him as a villain by this point, if you're not going off the comics, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, Venom was always my number one favorite Marvel villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's not. Uh, my, if he's not technically a villain anymore, he's an anti-hero, then my number two is going to get bumped up to my number one favorite Marvel villain. That's Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is a movie for you. Yeah, nice. yeah I know. Um, so I, I just wanted to get that preface out of the way. I actually have a Carnage mug, which is Carnage's head, um, but I, can't, I couldn't find it. I was going to have it for the show today, but I couldn't oh, find nice. it. Oh, nice, nice. It's one of those things that... Uh, you didn't realize you lost during the move, but yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I will say as much as they got wrong about Carnage, having waited 35 years <laughs> to see him on screen <laughs> and finally seeing him, I was like, oh, it's 
it was just it's what I've waited for, and it was going to be difficult to uh, disappoint me. All you need Carnage to do to get like a really fun element from me is have him be psychotic. Cletus Cassidy fits that bill, so does Carnage. So it, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that they changed about the actual symbiotic relationship between Cletus Cassidy and Carnage, and his abilities for the movie so it could push forward a narrative. I'm fine with that. I can push all that aside. I would love to talk about about all of that in spoilers later on. Um, But having said that, I think the biggest and best thing about this movie is Venom himself. Venom is so freaking funny in this movie that I think that is the biggest takeaway to where... I kind I kind of liked Venom, you know, in the first one, and I'm realizing now after seeing this one that this movie that the first movie was just setting the foundations for what was possible. Now that they've gotten all that out of the way, and you can really get into the nitty gritty and the fun antics between Eddie Brock and Venom, that's what this movie is, and it's so incredible. I am so happy with what they did. I have already already let go of any inkling towards edging down towards the low side of liked it you've already convinced <laughs> me that i firmly like this movie um i think for me you mentioned how funny venom is and i think that's part of the yes. the the whole thing that that is really great about this movie is it's just so entertaining it's just so fun mm-hmm. to watch um that goes for tom hardy's performance uh which i guess i would say if if i'm remembering my review of the first venom which i liked okay i think it was either high side of okay or low side of liked it um, it was primarily Tom Hardy is astonishing. Everything else is okay. You know, that was primarily the first movie yeah. for me. There were these moments of genius, uh, with Tom Hardy, you know, having this go on. This movie takes that, leaves it in place. Tom Hardy is still amazing. He's still given some really fun work to do and adds everything else. And not only that kind of embraces the bonkers quality of the first one in an even greater <laughs> way. Um, this movie is bonkers like so the in fact my only negative really is that it gets a little bit silly um and but at the same time i think the movie knows it and so i don't know that you can really fault the movie for it because it's like yeah we're being silly that's what we're doing with this franchise um so yeah i had such a fun entertaining time with it that even when something when i would want to roll my eyes at something that happened on the screen or, you know, a typical cliche that these kind of movies do, which there are some of those here. Um, it was just very quickly, you know, diminished by the fun I was having. And so that's, that's yeah. a good place to be, you know, especially as in, as the creators of the movie where you've got your audience in a place where you can just have fun. And at the end of the day, you know, the, the cliches and those kind of things, they're just kind of going to roll off the audience's back because they're having such a good time. Um, I think part of that is the Woody Harrelson performance is so over the top, uh, so crazy that that's going to be a kind of a make it or break it thing for this movie for you in some ways. Um, Mm -hmm. But man, I have a lot to talk about with this movie, but I don't just want to kind of list things. What's the next thing on your list, Andrew? Um, Um, The fact that the first film... I'm gonna. This, I'm gonna. I guess I could give props to Andy Serkis for this. Who directed yes. this one? Yes. Um, if if uh, if there's one thing that you and I both really disliked about the uh, the first one is that whenever it came 
time for big symbiote fights. There was just so much goop and yes. gunk flying yes. around. You couldn't tell what was going on. I think this one's a lot more cohesive and understandable. Yes. I don't know if it's the fact that Carnage looks a lot different than Venom. You know, there's definitely a color where whereas Riot in the first one in and Venom were, and it was at night, so, you know, you could really... No, it's more than that. There's... It's more than that. It's more than just the color there differential. More blech. There was more blech it was going very, on I, in the first one. I call it the Transformers. It's like two puddles fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I call, yeah. It, I call it the Transformers effect. And I think I even mentioned this in, in that review where Michael Bay was like, I don't really want to show the details of transforming. So we're just going to go robot, <laughs> bunch of spiky balls, and then car. You yeah. know, it's <laughs> like, it's like, come on. Like, you know, give us the sense of genuine transformation and this movie does that so much better than the first one did uh with what's going on with you know the the symbiote goo and all that stuff just felt so much more real and you can't help but think that circus has a lot to do with that with his understanding of mocap specifically you said it's much more understandable i would go so far as to say it's much more even purposeful like a lot of the things that are happening with the uh the way these creatures are moving is it's telling the story it's building the character Mm -hmm. like there are choices with facial expressions and movements of the you know kind of the neck part or whatever where it's like okay you're doing something interesting and purposeful here it's not just oh we got to get the head outside the body so here's a neck attached to it and it'll move the you know like there are these purposeful decisions that he's making and i think circus plays a a big role in that the other thing i'll give him credit for is since we're talking about it man he tells a quick Simple, straight to the point story here, and it's almost like um, off-putting how like old school, straight story movie this is. You're so used to superhero movies being over two hours, and you're so used to them. Oh yeah, you're so used to them building to like a like a mid movie crescendo, and then having something else happen, and then you get to the big crescendo, and like they have this story roller coaster that you're used to. This movie isn't that. This movie is old school. Here are the characters. Here's the setup. This is what's happening. Here's the the final confrontation. Boom. And it's like, wow, that was fun. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it was just a, like a really front, you know, front. It, it reminds me like of the difference between a full roller coaster and like a drop roller coaster where you have like the tension building up to like the single just like gravity drop and then it just drops you. That's this movie, you know? So um, and yeah. I like that. I like that it was different in that way. And I think, again, Circus is so good at understanding story uh, that he he plays a role in that. So, yeah. What else? Uh, something that I didn't like about the first one that I actually really enjoyed about this one is that I think in the first one, I thought that the, uh, the uh, relationship between uh, if my uh, Michelle Williams as... Uh, Anne Wing, uh, I had to look up her uh, character, between Anne and Eddie Brock. I didn't really buy it, really, in the first one. Uh, but now you have this, I guess you could call it a, a quad, quad quad couple between uh, Dr. Dan, Anne, Ta- or, uh, Eddie Brock, and Venom. You have these a four love people square. who are in this. Yeah, a love square. <laughs> and I thought it was, you know fine in the first one i didn't really buy it in this one it's just a lot more fun for a movie this is what's really interesting this movie deals with what is arguably the most evil and 
villainous character Marvel has ever created in Carnage. And it's shocking how funny this movie is. Mm-hmm. With all of that around it. And it doesn't feel out of place. Yeah. I I bought everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good job, Andy Circus. You mentioned the, um, and I think this is the the, the last big thing I, I will talk about. Um, but the pros. Uh, in in the pros for sure uh, is this is a such a purposeful relationship movie. There's bits of it in the first one, but it is here so beautifully, and the themes in this are so great. Um, you know, there there is the aspect of the love rectangle or trying or you know whatever you want to call it uh, <laughs> love that's going on. But I think the movie is is so healthy about the way it portrays her moving on and it doesn't lead the audience to a place where they want them to get back together or anything like that. Like there's, there's just, they, it leads the audience to a place where they understand that longing. They understand, you know, he loves her and that she loves him, but that she's at a different place in her life. Like the movies, I feel like Mm -hmm. it's very healthy about that. It doesn't end us, you know, you know, wanting her to leave this guy she's with, um, you know, and paint him to be some awful person. And so, yeah, so that that's healthy. And then the theme of their partnership, Venom and Eddie Brock's partnership in this movie is so beautiful. Yeah. And that is the yeah. point of this movie. This movie is about what it's like to build a lifelong companionship with someone, a partnership with yeah. someone where you're where you're working together. This this is a movie that like any partnership that starts a business together or does something together could relate to because that's, you know, I wouldn't say there's any kind of romantic angle between uh, uh, Venom and Eddie Brock, although some have have pointed to the you know the ideas of kind of a, a gay love story you know between them. That's not explicit in any way or I even implicit. I, I've heard it too. I personally think that's pushing it. But if you appreciate that narrative, more power to you. Well, it, I don't. It, I think I think what's there is the ideas of affection and companionship and what it means to really partner together, which is a part of all relationships, romantic, business, sure. platonic, whatever. Um, so, but when it yeah. comes to a romantic relationship between Eddie and Venom, I don't. No, it's not that. in the movie. It's not in the movie. I, I don't even think yeah. there's really any subtext there. Um, but but again, that's the beauty of film. Is you can place these themes in your own world, in your own life, see how you know it applies to you, um, and I think this movie does that really, really well. I'm kind of talking myself into high side. I liked it. The more we talk, um, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. The more I think about this movie, the more I just keep coming back to seeing, like, see this scene and this scene, either laughing out loud or being really excited by the no pun intended the carnage that was going on Mm -hmm. on screen yeah uh ian i want to hear your voice uh do you have any questions any thoughts like you know i know you haven't seen it but as you're listening to us talk like what are some uh some things you're thinking or or asking are you familiar with like uh the marvel comics like with venom and carnage and any of these characters tangentially i've never read the um spider-man comics as such i was mainly an iron man so, so my problem with comics, and Aaron will appreciate this, is there's too damn many of them, and I would have to go back to nineteen, <laughs> go back to nineteen fourteen, and like read all of them from start to finish. I, I can't bring myself to just start now. There's too much. Mm-hmm. But we'll, I, we'll talk about that again with Sopranos coming up. Continue. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so we did the um, we did the guilty in the pre-show, and just like Jake Gyllenhaal, Tom Hardy is my man. I'll watch him do. 
mm-hmm. literally anything. So I loved Venom, and I think even I think Venom had a really positive response. Uh, I think I liked it even more than most people because a lot of people were like, "Oh yeah, no, it's it's a bit silly, but it's fun." I was like, "Nope, this movie is not silly. This this movie is fantastic, and you will not put it down." Um, so I can't wait to see this. Um, I I think my main questions are actually in the spoiler section. To be completely honest. Oh, interesting. Um, all, well, you don't want to be present yeah. for the spoiler section, do you? Or do you not care? Well, I. I oh, it's I up to you. Know. There were just there's things. I mean, no, I want to. I want to be there. I all right, Ian, we'll be in the spoil spoiled. Then. I'll, okay, I'll say this. I'll say this. There's a post credit scene to this movie. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you probably and I'm don't dying want to know. spoiled. You probably okay, don't. Okay. It's going to get it's going to happen. Well, we are we will spoil that in the Civ spoil. So, again, yeah, it is up okay. to you Ian if you I'll join just, us I'll for look. the Civ spoil. So, uh well, um, you can wait to no, make you, that decision uh, until we get there. You guys have answered most of my questions. Uh I I'm really glad to hear that they delivered on the first film and even more and improved on it. I do think that this is a better film than the first one. I oh, I think that. so. I think so too. I don't know. I Which is so yeah. rare with superhero sequels, yeah. isn't it? That's so refreshing yeah. to to hear. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think so as well. Um, I think, but I it think, makes me, demonstrably but, so. I think, I, I mean, I think, yeah. Again, Tom Holland was the glue of that first one that I think you know made Tom it. Hardy. I'm sorry. Hardy. Yes, Tom Hardy. I well, I, okay. So this is my one last thing. I'll tell you why that name is on my brain. I think Tom Hardy is doing a Tom Holland impersonation for Eddie Brock. I there is such a cadence and interesting way that he talks that feels very uh, Peter mm-hmm. Parker. To me, and the in and I would not be surprised. Well, they're both that, journalists, exactly. Yeah, they're both journalists. They're in the same. You know, I mean, again, Venom is. Uh, I think originally, I could be wrong. Originally, a Spider-Man villain, right? Like, you know, there's yeah. there's a connection, and yeah. and we saw Venom in one of the other Spider-Man trilogies, right? Like, was Spider-Man it? three? Yeah, and uh, Spider-Man three. the the same Raimi one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, that's initially. Yeah, Venom was a, a Spider-Man villain where. Eddie Brock was a competing uh, journalist to Peter Parker, and uh, Peter Parker actually got Eddie Brock fired. And uh, after the symbiotes came about, that's whenever he's like, okay, I'll help you, you know, eat brains and all this stuff, but you got to help me get this Peter Parker kid. So, uh, so yeah, that's, I was just, I was watching and I was going, I love Hardy's performance in this. It's so different than what he usually does. You know, he, he usually does... Yeah such gruff weird things with his voice and then the more i listened to it i was like i think he might be doing a tom holland impersonation here i just next time <laughs> next time you watch it think of i will think think of tom holland as he's saying some of this stuff and it's it's so interesting how it kind of has that same like nervous like um uh, you know, like cadence to it uh mm-hmm. and 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 Possibly it's just me, and you all can tell me I'm crazy. The other thing, I, the other thing I thought was Venom, since I, I'm comparing people to Marvel characters, has such a Drax element to the way he, he to his humor. It's very much just that you know, hey, this is the way it is, like you know, kind of humor. Yeah. Like there's there's a real Drax element to that. So I found myself halfway through this movie uh, envisioning uh, Spider Man and Drax uh, having adventures That's where awesome. they were they were connected. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. just Tom Holland with Dave Batista in his head. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll say this for con- we haven't talked about cons yet. Um, here's my con. I think that Shriek, the character Shriek is totally underused Mm -hmm. and wasted. Mm -hmm. 
I understand the purpose. Like she becomes more of a plot element as opposed to a character, and I I hate it when movies do that. Yeah. Especially because they're like, oh, we need to focus on Carnage because that's why everybody's coming to see this movie. Everybody's coming to see this movie for two reasons: Venom and Carnage. Uh, but let's throw in this is spoilers, but I'm going to throw this out anyway. No, I'm not. Okay, I'm we'll talk about it. Spoilers. spoilers. Good job. Oh wow! I was, yeah. close. I was giving you some rope. I was Aaron's giving face. you some rope, but uh, but no. Yeah. Good job. Good call. Good call. Alan was yeah. ready to boot you from the call. <laughs> no, I was waiting. I was waiting. Um, yeah. So so yeah, the 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 character of Shriek is interesting. Um, I think that character is much more related to Cletus than Carnage, obviously, right? So there's so that character in the role that uh, that she plays with the Cletus character is fascinating to me because, and I think you're right. I think for the most part it is wasted. I think it is is one of the weaker parts of the movie. But it's interesting to me because number one, the movie doesn't really go into her origin backstory you know like what well, it was that's what i was going to talk about in spoilers okay <laughs> all right well then we'll talk about it there then we'll talk about it there because i don't know yeah. anything about that so for me that's not necessarily spoiler that the movie doesn't go there um but uh but yeah I, i'm interested to hear that part of the conversation uh any final thoughts questions from either of you about venom let there be carnage yeah Again, post-credit scene. There's a yeah mid-credit scene, mid-credit scene that you're mid, gonna... mid, mid. Yeah, I should say only one, only one. Yeah, that you're gonna want to stick around. Does for. this have? Does it? I think what I'd wonder is, does it retrace any of the same ground as Venom? Because sometimes, uh, no, Ed, no. Wait, Eddie Brock and Venom have a relationship that's evolved over the first film. Are they back to square one, or is it, it okay? It does that a little bit. It, I mean, this there's part of that that's hard to avoid. But what I would say yeah. is, yeah. It doesn't square one them completely. It allows mm-hmm. for the next level of what they were dealing with in the first one. So it, it basically yeah. takes the the character development of the first one and goes, okay, here's the deeper version of that, right? Mm-hmm. So there, it does. It can yeah. feel a little bit like square oneing, but it's. But I don't think it really is. I think it's it's more of a deepening. Okay, that's good. That's uh, always my I, I frustration. Guess the, a good way to say it is in the first one you have two strangers butting heads. In this one you have two people in a relationship butting heads. Correct. Okay, that sounds like a good yeah. way of putting it. Yeah, that's a great way yeah. to put it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's move into The Many Saints of Newark, a soprano story. Antonio Soprano. I wonder if I can talk to you alone for a moment, Mrs. Soprano. On the basis of the Sanford Binet, he's high IQ. You can't prove it by me. He's got a D plus average. Well, he doesn't apply himself, but he is smart. The results tell us he's a leader. Ankle dick. Growing up with the family takes a toll. Young Anthony Soprano is growing up in one of the most tumultuous eras in New Newark, New Jersey. Not New Newark, by the way. Just Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> uh, becoming a man just as rival gangsters start to rise up and challenge the all-powerful DeMeo crime family. Caught up in the changing times is the uncle he idolizes, Dickie Molisanti whose influence over his nephew will help shape the impressionable teenager into the all-powerful mob boss, Tony Soprano. Uh, this is a prequel to the Sopranos TV show, which 
crazily enough, is over 20 years old uh, from when yeah. it nope. debuted. No, it's not. Um, nope. And uh, and has, uh, I think, six seasons, 86 episodes, um, ran for a while on HBO, is often considered the grandfather slash originator of modern prestige television. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that conversation could include some other shows around that time, but this one is the one that a lot of people go to as a kind of pointing to how we got to where we are today. David Chase is involved. I kind of I kind of feel bad for him in in some ways because he really wanted this to be a movie and it is, but it's also debuting on people's televisions right alongside the place where all the other episodes are and so I mean, you can go to the theaters and watch it. I know you can, but for I I just I think for him cuz I've heard him talk in interviews I about didn't. how how important uh, it was for him that you know this move into movies, you know, and be big movie stories. And I, I just I wonder if that's a bummer for him. Uh, anyhow, uh, the other, of course, uh, part of this is you have James Gandolfini's son playing the character that he popularized uh, in The Sopranos. Um, and of course, uh, James Gandolfini uh, no longer with us. Um, yeah. Lots of thoughts on this. I guess the only other uh, thing I would say before we get into it. Um, just as Ian hadn't seen the the movie before, uh, Andrew and I have not seen any of this. Well, that's not true. I've seen the pilot uh, of The Sopranos for work reasons. Yeah, I don't remember it, um, but and, I've seen the pilot. That's it. I have not seen a single other minute of uh, yeah. the six seasons of Sopranos. Ian is a Sopranos fan, has seen uh, all the episodes, so he joins us to kind of give that uh, insight into what's going on here. Uh, so what do you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Ian, why don't you start us off? Um, I am low side of disliked it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I am shocked. Mm-hmm. I am shocked. Okay. <laughs> uh, low side of disliked it. So almost into good, hated good, it. Good, good conversation. Uh, Andrew, what about you? <laughs> I feel weird making a review or a critique on this movie because I... While I'm watching it, I realize there is so much subtext and, you know, plot movements that I'm not understanding and references I'm not getting. So I'm just going to go with, okay, but I'm not the person who should be reviewing this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start there. I'll just say I'm on the low side of uh, of, um, it was just okay bordering into the high side of didn't liked it. Uh, didn't like it. Um, but let's start there. Do we hold movies responsible to be standalone movies? Or do we say it's okay that a movie is going to be to feel uh, to make someone feel like an outsider if they don't have the the background? Like, how do we feel about that? I will tell you, this reminded me very much of my Warcraft experience. Where I could tell, I was thinking that I, I could tell there were these inside jokes happening on the screen, and there were a lot of them. Like I could tell there were references and inside to people who played World of Warcraft that just pew yeah. pew flying over my head, pew pew, uh, and I didn't get them. And I had that same experience here. And so for a lot of the movie, I was distracted by. I think that means something. I think that person is important. Like I think. For a Sopranos fan, yeah. that person is somebody they know, maybe, and the thing they just said was probably something they said in the show, or is a wink to something they're gonna say. Twenty, you know, and I just so it, and it was just boom, boom, like it happened throughout the movie, and so that can be a really distracting drumbeat 
to try to give yourself to a movie. So I guess I'll repeat the question. Do we hold the movie accountable for that? And Ian, I'd like to start with your thoughts on that first as somebody who's seen the show. Um, I think it's <laughs> it's yes and no. I think it depends on what it's trying to do. If it's tr- if it's going to be a dedicated film of the TV show and it does all of the references and it has all of the um the, the through lines running through it, fantastic. That's kind of it's doing what it's supposed to do. If it wants to position itself as an adventure that you can enjoy independent of the series, then it needs to go for that. And this plants itself firmly in between neither of those things. There are there's so many references and in jokes, but they're fan service. Um and it it's so far removed from the Sopranos TV show proper that it is an independent journey as well, and it is an independent story. And I don't think it's a a very well done independent story. I don't think it's doing anything much different. So I think either can be fine if you pick one of them. And I don't think this picks either. What do you think, uh, um, Andrew? What do you think about what do you think about uh, that question? You know, would, should the should the so, movie be accountable for that stuff? So I, having been on both sides now, <laughs> um, you know, because with with War, Warcraft, you know, I was definitely in the I'm getting every single reference, you know, and then in this one where I am just completely lost. I am actually for movies that are made for a specific audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that the the appreciation for, you know, commitment and, you know, devotion to a specific, you know, franchise or property or whatever, rewarding that, you know, adamant fan base is, you know something that I'm like, cool. I mean, when it comes to a movie like this, I can say, I don't get it. I hope that there are people out there who really like it and that they're just giddy with excitement whenever they see a character they love. Yeah. I I had that and I think part of that is the reason I was so shocked that Ian didn't like it as a fan of the uh, Sopranos, mm. right? Like even bordering on hated it. Uh, because I just assumed that all all of those references that I was missing were going to be like crack cocaine, you know, that they were just going to be yeah. like hits of adrenaline um, that uh, that every Sopranos fan would would love. Um, but I think I hear what you're saying, Ian, is that it was also distracting to you because the movie was was torn between two masters, like it was trying to do all the yeah, fan service and then also trying to serve this this new story, and it just wasn't able to serve. This because the the multi sante thing is is an, is for the most part a new story in this universe, right? Like right. we didn't know about yeah. this uncle before. Has this uncle ever been mentioned in the show, or is this just our first time really? So I am about ten years removed from the last time okay. I watched it, so I'll mm. apologize if I miss something. But if it's not, I remember the big beats and I remember the big the, all of the stuff that happened. This isn't a a big thing that's in my brain, like he. This uh, Dickie's relationship with Tony isn't something that is irrevocably like mi- it, you can't not have Tony without that for me anyway. So it seemed like a surprise that it was such a focus. Um, I I feel like it was more about we've got to get Christopher, who's the the narrator for this. Mm-hmm. Who spoiler, you know, in the in the film, Tony kills him. <laughs> <laughs> so and that obviously happens in the series. It's like. Mm, we're going to have him as the narrator. Let's work backwards from that. And this is this is so much more 
it feels so much more about Christopher, bizarrely, than it is about Tony. This doesn't... I was going to say like this that. Was, this was marketed as a Tony Soprano, Tony Soprano prequel, and it just isn't. It is a Star Wars story set in the <laughs> Star Wars universe, yeah. and Tony just happens to be in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like in a Rogue... Uh, Rogue One, when C-3PO and R2-D2, you know, make their yeah. little cameo, you're like, oh, okay, so there's Tony Soprano. Yeah. I will it's say, like pitching though, Rogue One as a C-3PO origin story. Yeah, <laughs> I will say, uh, seeing uh, Michael Gandolfini portray his father, from the clips, you know, that I've seen of James Gandolfini, not only in this, but in other movies, his ability to mimic and make me believe that he is Tony Soprano or his father is remarkable. His facial tics, the way he mm-hmm. carries himself, I don't know if that's natural for him or if he's, you know, putting on a performance to portray, you know, this Tony Soprano character. But from what I've seen, I mean, it looks like he nailed it. Yeah, I, I think he does as well. I think he does a fantastic job. Um, my big, and I'm trying not to be too negative, but my big problem is I still don't understand, it. especially the way the film ends, it's almost like, bam, this is Tony Soprano. And it's like, no, no, no. We've still got yeah. several letters of the alphabet that we've missed. Yeah. I, am I supposed I to accept that. That, this, that this finale now brings me the Tony Soprano that I know from the series? No, it absolutely doesn't. No, 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 no. I, that, that is my biggest negative of the movie is that I don't think the movie knows who its protagonist is. Because exactly, it, I think it's a mob movie. I well, yeah, <laughs> and this is my problem. It's it wants to be an individual standalone story, but still have the glory of it's in the Sopranos universe. Well, it wants and the glory like, of it wants the glory. It. it wants the glory in Hook of come see how Tony exactly. Soprano became yes. Tony Soprano, and this is not that movie. This this is no, not that it's movie. Absolutely not. And no. um and but I think it winks at it enough that it could. Put enough in the trailer to make it seem like that movie, um, mm. but it's not. And I think that specifically is what's annoyed me more than anything. Because I think Aaron, um, Andrew, you're absolutely right. If you're going to, going to, there's nothing wrong with appealing to a niche audience, but go for it, do it. Yeah. Like, reward me for going to see it, and you rewarded me with the trailer, but then you kind of lied to me when you you brought me what you brought me uh, producer film makes i think a really good comparison with cruella um that there is this this idea of come see how cruella deville became cruella deville and it's like well kind of but we kind of need yeah. a sequel to really get there um yeah and, and so that yeah i think that's the case here too it's like, I, actually, I actually think it's cruella like this did this a much better for a prequel I, I will just say before we get we get off of that cruella does that much better because cruella is the centerpiece of that movie tony soprano is mm-hmm. not the centerpiece of this movie uh Dickie no, Malsanti this is, is the centerpiece Dickie of this v. movie. Harold movie yeah. is what this is. Yeah. By the yeah. way, um, I know I, I noticed that this, you know, it has references to actual historical events, you know, like the New Jersey riots in 66, 67, somewhere around there, you know, and that that is, you know, going on in the background of, of this movie. Does stuff like that happen in, in The Sopranos where they're like, uh, working around, you know, uh, real life events that happened in like the, uh, New England area? Not to the extent that it happens in this film. It okay. kind of, this, again, <sighs> that seemed to be the focus of this film. It was the historical elements and how um, both of these gangs rose up. It felt much more a story about that, which is fine, cool. 
Um, I don't think it's delivered it very well, but if that's what you're going to do, fantastic. But the series is much more about the family, as you'd expect. So, yeah, I'm going to throw some things out to you as a, a non-Sopranos watcher. Uh, basically, I just want to know who's actually in the show and who's not. So I'm going to throw some of the characters at cool. you, and you let me know if these are like winks to things in the show. Uh, I'm going to start with the opposing gang, the Leslie uh, Odom Jr. character, that gang. Nope. That's not in the show at all. <laughs> Not to my oh. memory. If it, wow, if, if they wow. are, ex- yeah, <laughs> That's no, no, no. Movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is my problem. So if they're in it, they're not in it enough that I remembered it. And and this is this is my problem is that it picked a story that it wanted to tell that had nothing really to do with the series. So yeah, the inciting, the stuff that it leads to with the actions that um, Junior takes, um, the Corey Stoll character, yeah. right? Corey Stoll, yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay, that has and lasting that, impact on the series. So Junior is in yeah. The Sopranos. Yeah, Junior is... The the biggest link is Junior, for, for absolute short, for certain. Okay. Yeah, without okay. a doubt. And he he has probably the biggest single impact in the series, as well as in this movie. Okay. Um, that's the one thing I did appreciate, was it gave me a bit more understanding behind Junior's. Because Junior is an old, old man during the Sopranos film. Much older than Corey Stoll. What's the, he should be older in this film than he is. What's Yeah, what's the gap between the 60s and when The Sopranos takes place? Is it, Was it supposed uh, to be in the 90s? 40 years. No, it's 90s, yeah. So 30, 40 years, okay. yeah. So 30 years older, he would go from, you know, let's say 40, mid-40s. He'd be in to, his late 70s. Yeah. Correct, yeah. So. Which is, rough, I guess, roughly where okay. he is, but he seems a lot okay. older. Okay. Uh, uh, Vera Farmiga's character. Um, I loved her. Uh, Mama Soprano. Yeah, she, she is she great. in the show? <sighs> Again, not that I can remember, okay. but that relationship Tony was Soprano's really interesting. Mom. Yeah, because he, sh- they have made her look almost identical to Tony's wife. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a common thing. The, that, no, that is a. Yeah. The, I, I know people balk at this, but it is amazing when you compare people's spouses yeah. to their parents. Uh, it is just, it is just a weird thing that happens. Um, so that yeah. I actually thought was quite well done because his relationship with his wife and with his therapist as well in the series is really echoed in this with the the head teacher, guidance counselor, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. And it, that's the only thing where I can see, oh, this is how we get Tony and how how he developed this unhealthy attitude towards women. I can absolutely see that in a relationship between his mother and then this professional that reached out to him and looked after him and how he's translated that into a unhealthy relationship with his therapist and um with his wife with his wife in the in the T V series. So that was about the only through line that I appreciated. Uh the John Bernthal uh character. Um, his dad Johnny his father's gone yeah he's not in it because okay. um, Tony is Tony is the right the head he's the head of the family right. um, and again that's the frustrating I would have liked more of that because it's more like Tony's influenced by Dickie in this film but he's much more like his father in the TV series and I want to know how he became head of the family well, because I mean, at the end of this film you're kind of like no way is that kid going to be the head of the Sopranos well it's it's clear it is clear that they are setting up a sequel series, right? Like, the, there's no way that this is... I don't know. They yeah, have I mean, to be. They, they. I don't understand how... I don't understand how you would get away with doing this movie and then not following up with the next part of the sport, especially knowing that the Leslie Odom Jr. character's gang is not in the TV show. There's so much to resolve. 
with yeah. that stuff. So, like, that's like the biggest part of the movie. So yeah. it, especially it is with the movie. The, yeah, especially with the like not post credits. It's not even mid credits. It's right. credits yeah. scene. That you would think. So maybe it is, but I don't know. I hope it's not a movie. This this film suffers from not being a miniseries. This is either half an hour too long or four hours too short. Yeah. 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 Release the chase cut. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's see. Who else? Did I, I, I think I know enough just through seepage into my brain that that Polly Soprano seepage. <laughs> yeah. That Big P, Polly Walnuts, like, like those yeah, characters in are in the yeah. show. Did you feel like those mm-hmm. representations were fun, were inter- like made sense with the characters as you know them? Yeah, they were incredibly consistent. They were very good impersonations. Okay. But they were 100% impersonations because there was lots of affectations. Because they're not in it a great deal. Mm-hmm. So the screen time that they do have, you need to really hammer home how they act. Um, so yeah, that was absolutely fine. But they didn't add anything to the story. That was the fan service I'm on about. Is that it's, oh, you know that name. But he's not really got anything to do with what's going on here. Yeah. I guess that that is something that, you know, lends itself to somebody who's like Aaron and I, where we don't have any basic knowledge. Mm. Ian probably is like, okay, I know this person is going to be safe because, you know, in 30 years they're going to be in the show. Besides Tony, I don't know anybody in this movie. Mm -hmm. So anybody's fair game to be, you know, on the chopping block. Yeah. Yeah. And... With it being a mob movie, you know, the 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 danger per character is elevated. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, all right. I want to talk about some things I did like about the show because it's obvious none of us had a really great experience, Andrew and I, because we haven't uh, seen The Sopranos sure. and Ian because he has. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, but I did want to talk about some positive things in my opinion. I think, uh, Alessandro Nivola, who plays Dickie Malasanto is giving an incredible performance here. Yep. I, I, oh, really, yeah. I really enjoy that performance. Uh, I, if there's a character that I was able to attach myself to and try to understand the journey of it was that character. I don't think the movie serves that character all that well in any way that means something to me. Um, but that's a problem I have with most mob movies Anyway, I come to the end of them and go, how am I supposed to feel? <laughs> like, And I think for some people, that's the wrong question. And I understand that. But for me as a moviegoer, it's one of those questions that's important to me. And, uh, you know, I come in to the end of most mob stuff and kind of have that feeling. Um, so I thought the performances even overall, I would say, are great. You know, we talked about Michael Gand- yeah. Gandolfini uh, doing such a great job. Uh, I think Leslie Odom Jr. is always amazing. Uh, I love oh, yeah. his work. Um, Vera Farmiga is great. Uh, Corey Stoll, I think, is great. Um, so, um, and have we mentioned uh, the wife character yet? Um, I forget what that character's name was. That was Giuseppina um, Moltisanti. Ah, Giuseppina. And the actor is uh, Michelle De Rossi. Uh yes, I thought she was great as well. And I think that character had more depth than any other character I agree. In, the, in the movie. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. And the movie had these beautiful character moments. Um, there are conversations that happened, like you mentioned the conversation with the school counselor and the mom. Mm-hmm. I thought was really powerful. Oh, that was awesome. Um, yeah, so good. so the movie has these moments where I'm like oh, I love what you're doing here. It just feels so disconnected from anything that's carrying me through any kind of empathy or caring or like, 
I want it. When I saw that school moment, I was like, oh, I want more of this. Where was this? And then it, yeah, it wasn't. See Tony's journey. It, was, it wasn't anywhere else and was barely anywhere after that. And it was just like, so it just, everything felt so disconnected um, that it was, you know, it was hard, hard to deal with. Um, there were too many way. characters for me to keep track of. It's it's yes. almost like and I'm sure and I'm sure if I would have no, watched the show, it would have been so much easier. I could have re- related. Nope. On that. Oh really? <laughs> Not really. What? I wonder if it's almost like Chase. There's a lot of new people in this. I wonder if if Chase basically created a prequel season of the show and then just tried to squeeze that whole season into a you know a two hour movie. You know that's kind of that's exactly what it feels like. And but it, the prequel's about three decades earlier than it should be, unless you've got like a a seven season arc that you're thinking of covering a few years is, per season. Is it possible that's but the goal? Is it possible that possibly, this is going to be a show? But then why not make it? They should have said why not so. Make, well, yeah, why not make it a TV series or a mini series from the off? It hasn't got the same stigma that it did once upon a time. Right. Mini series will do fantastically well. You just binge them and there's even more buzz about them than films sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we also have mentioned uh, Ray Liotta, who pops up a couple times in this uh, in this <laughs> movie. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, he's you know I think I think you're legally obligated to have Ray Liotta in your mobster movie. I think that's like uh... if not, you have to have Joe <laughs> Pesci or Robert De Niro. That's right. That's the <laughs> yeah. that's the caveat. I had forgotten yeah. about that caveat. But one uh, of those three. One of those three. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? I think we've kind of set our piece on this. Um, but do you have any last things you want to say about? The Many Saints of Newark. After watching this movie, I still really don't have any desire to go back and watch The Sopranos. Boy, that's unfortunate. That's shame. Yeah. Well, yeah, I that's mean, a real shame. I mean, it's not like I, I had a desire beforehand to go and watch it. I mean, I, I, Aaron and I, you and I have said this a hundred million times, but we understand that the show is an incredible. You know, there's enough data out there to show that this movie or the show is like one of the greats, but it's just such an undertaking at this point mm-hmm. that that surmounts any desire I would ever have to watch the well, show. Well, and I have the added benefit of not generally liking mob stuff anyway, you know, so, too. so you know, I, I kind of, I know what I'm going to feel like at the end of the show, uh, because well, <laughs> yep. I, you know what? Earlier, I said I hadn't seen a single minute. Otherwise, I have watched that last section of The Sopranos, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the controversial ending, because I, you know I heard about it and I wanted to kind of interpret it for myself. And I know Chase doesn't want to no, say specifically. I don't even know that. Uh, what happened with those last, you know, 10 mm-hmm. minutes or whatever. And I guess this isn't probably the place to talk about it in case somebody wants to experience that for themselves. But I will say, interestingly enough, that one segment at the very end of this show, actually, I did have some stuff during this movie where I was like, oh, are you referencing that? Um, because there are some <laughs> things that the characters say where it's like, if if Chase isn't specifically saying what happened at the end of Sopranos, boy, is he sure hinting at it with a couple of things that are said yeah. in this in in this movie. He really wants to say it. Yeah, he really wants to say it, right? He's almost like, you can almost feel like he's committed to not saying it because he said he wasn't going to say it, but he really wants people to know what happened uh, in those yeah. those final minutes. His, so. his, his spinning top is wobbling, really <laughs> just wobbling, wobbling backwards and forwards. Uh, so maybe that'll be my one last thing is, you know, just the... That, it, that this movie, for all it doesn't do, it did kind of inform the finale for me of a show I didn't even watch anything of. So. <laughs> I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> Ian, do you have any final thoughts? 
I have multiple, many more. We'll do it. Go for it. And I, I, I might not be. I'm. This is not the TV show to watch if you have pro. If you like to root for somebody, so you, if you if you need to have that, you probably won't have a good time because it varies from episode to episode. There are sometimes when it will make you root for somebody, and then you feel bad for rooting for somebody because they mm-hmm. do the worst thing imaginable in the next episode. Um, and this film's so so similar. Uh, I did like the. There was a touch on a really cool theme of wanting and never being satisfied. And that seems to be so prevalent in this, the way that we see mob culture in films of it's about pride and status and wanting and having to one up the next person, but never getting to a place where it's like, you know what? I'm quite happy with how the business is operating. Let's just make a comfortable return and not kill anyone else. And you never get that. And it just, begins yeah, to touch on the futility of that. There's this beautiful... Maybe that's how Chase felt about the fandom for the <laughs> Possibly. Sopranos. You want a movie, but you're not going to be satisfied. The, uh, yeah. There is another one of those beautiful scenes uh, about a pair of speakers uh, that touches on this this yes. theme quite a bit. And, you know... Do it one um, time. Yeah, and, and that, is, that is the theme you're talking about. So, yeah, I, I can definitely mm-hmm. see that in there. Um, what was the other thing I had? The desperate voiceover trying to who was that guide us through so that was a character called christopher who he tells you at the beginning of the film he is he's killed by tony during the series and they are best friends they're they're as close to kind of father and son as it gets and because of reasons he dies that that's the link i don't know why he is the character that's guiding us through it other than it's a touchstone for fans to go oh cool it's nice to hear this voice again. a touch because he has a very distinctive voice a touch gravestone if you will a touch mm. gravestone i can't believe i missed that i'm gonna leave <laughs> um and so the baby that was being cried out whenever it was brought near tony mm-hmm. That's the voiceover. Oh, okay. So yes. So uh, that whole scene, I'm like that. That whole five oh, minutes, it, I was it, cringing. It was just like, okay, I get it. I'm but obviously I don't missing something. Get here. it? I like obviously this character is in oh, the show yeah. and Tony and I wanted. There was only three people in the cinema, and I was quite comfortable going, "Oh come on," <laughs> because it's so. Yeah, I get it. The baby cries right. Oh well, I think the baby knows that there's just something evil about the kid. <laughs> Well, yeah, if the baby's seen seven series of a TV show that hasn't come out yet, then yes, I guess so. But it it was just unnecessary. Having Chris be the voiceover was plenty enough. I mm-hmm. didn't then, oh, I don't get why the baby hates me. Come on. <laughs> I just didn't, oh, yeah, I didn't need any of that. That was, just, that was such a such a beautiful Gandolfini impersonation. Uh, hey, forget well, about well it. Done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that's pretty much all I have to say. It felt like... A season of Sopranos condensed into two hours with all of the exact same beats, but and which should be a good thing, but it was like one of the bad seasons. Mm-hmm. It, it was like one season too far. It was just the 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 big, big moments were very predictable because they were pretty much copy and paste, like kind of mad libs from the from the TV show. Mm-hmm. It's all stuff we've seen before. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't like it. No, 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 you do not have to apologize. Uh, it was just surprising to me because I, again, assumed that all that you know fan service stuff uh, would have been great for fans. But you're absolutely right. If the movie is at cross purposes, then it's not going to work for either yeah, the fans or, or non-fans. Uh, yeah. So there you go. That's the Mini Saints of Newark. Uh, unfortunately, none of us liked it. It is on uh, HBO Max. 
as well as in theaters. In Venom, Let There Be Carnage is theaters only uh, currently. So there you go. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we head on to the best ever challenge, uh, let's take a thank you for our Sift Pop members. Uh, thank you so much for supporting what goes on here. We love you, appreciate you. You may know this if you are uh, have heard this spot before, but we, to certain levels of our Sift Pop members, we have a show that we do, a pre-show bonus podcast that we do for you guys every single week. This week, we recorded a review of The Guilty on Netflix. We are getting to the point where a lot of stuff is coming out. We may be doing more full reviews uh, for members only. If that's something that interests you, you can check it out. There's also other fun little perks for the different levels there. Beyond all that, it's uh, just a way for you to say thank you to us for the show and then us to say thank you back to you for supporting by giving you some, some cool fun stuff. So if you're interested in that, if that's something you want to do, it's all at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sift Pop. Again, that is patreon.com slash Sift Pop. All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. We're doing best ever movies based on TV shows. Um, a lot of them. There are a lot of them, uh, although not a lot of uh, great ones. I mean, there are a lot of great franchises, but again, with the best ever challenge, we try to keep it to like one choice from a franchise uh, on our list. Um, so there's that. We'll go from number five to number one. Uh, I'm going to kick us off this week. Do it. Uh, my number five is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, mm. I have a really soft uh, spot in my heart for Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, the <laughs> um, I know it's silliness. I know it's nostalgia probably for me. But this was just so fun and quotable for me and my friends. And we, we really enjoyed it. Uh, so... From the breakfast machine at the beginning to the bicycle at the Alamo uh, to I'm a loner, Tequila. a rebel, uh, to all that stuff, to paging Mr. Herman, Mr. Herman. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, I know this movie way too well and enjoy yeah. it. So it's my number five. Tequila is my favorite part of the movie. I'm trying to use the phone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 
he's the best. The 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 stars are are bright, shine big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Andrew, what do you got at number five? Number five is where I have Wayne's World. Wayne's World party yeah. time. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> what a Ian, amazing meta movie. And I don't know if you know this, it's required this week to do imitations of the movies uh, that, that <laughs> you're true. mentioning. It's just how we're doing it today. Uh, yeah, I had Wayne's World in my honorable mentions, uh, and I think it completely fits the category. I did have that thing in my head was like, well, is this based on a TV show or is it based it's on a skit Saturday from Night a Live. TV show? Yeah, but I, I think it's close enough, so we'll count it. But yeah, go ahead and preach on yeah, Wayne's I, World. Hopefully, yeah, uh, uh, there's a couple on here that I'm going to need a little leniency on. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. To, uh, fair enough. Yeah, but but starting off with Wayne's World, uh, it's such a nothing movie that I love so much. You know, nothing grand happens in this movie. It's just a guy falls in love with you know a girl, and Rob Lowe shows up. <laughs> there you go. That's but you the, the the meta ness of it, it's just so fun. I think my favorite part of this of, of this entire movie. Which I say right now, but I guarantee you I'm going to think of something else later on. Go, oh, wait, no, that's my favorite part of the movie. But my favorite part that I'm thinking of right now is definitely whenever they are doing the uh, the ads for the uh, uh, different products during the movie mm-hmm. to help pay for the movie itself. Like the Pizza Hut or the Adidas or the, ah, Nuprin, little, yellow, different. You know, <laughs> and Pepsi and just all the things that they're... Like and they're even doing the Vanna White, you know, like you know, showing you the pet or the pizza hut box and stuff like that. Uh, it's good. Oh, and then of course you have Garth singing "Foxy Lady" to Dream Woman. It's a great, it's a great, 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 great movie. There I love go. it a lot. Ian, what about you? What's your number five? We're not worthy. We are not worthy. Um, Equalizer. Um, I really, really, really like this film. Yeah. Um, to say that it's based on a TV show is maybe a bit generous. It is, but it, yeah, it is. doesn't have much by way of... No, there's not a lot of, of DNA relation. there. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But it, That's what I mean. But it is. Um, it's based on that. But yeah, Denzel was fantastic. He's my man. I just... Anything he does, I'll watch it. Playing this type of character, kind of morally ambiguous, but dedicated to the mission at hand is so hypnotizing to watch um i know we had a sequel but i could i could have a million of these films uh like taken i wish i wish this had taken off as much as taken had mm-hmm. yeah. taken i'm just gonna say taken five times <laughs> yeah i think it's a I was shame quite that antoine fuqua is not talked about in the same, <laughs> in the same breath this <laughs> this for our yes. non sift pop members is a reference to the review of his latest movie, uh, The Guilty, yes. uh, in our bonus review uh, for for our members. Love that guy. Yeah, love that guy. <laughs> Anders a huge fan. Uh, the Equalizer is a great choice for number five. All right, on to number four. I have a feeling this will get trumped unless maybe it's a different one from this series that said other person might have. Uh, I have Star Trek Wrath of Khan uh, at number four. So, note I do have a Star Trek film later, well, but not Wrath of Khan. There we go. Done, then I've I get to talk on it. Um, you do. I you are you are allowed. I, this makes me, I'm sure, a basic Star Trek fan. Uh, every basic Star Trek fan's uh, favorite movie uh, from the series is The Wrath of Khan. 
but yeah. but I love it. Um, it just seems yeah. to me like the pat answer. Like, you know, like the it, pat, it, it's like the cultural. Safe, it's the safe bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think there's, some, and again, there's a lot of nostalgia to this, you know, from when I saw it and just watching it over and over again in the the ear things and the, you know. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I forgot all about the earworm things. Oh, How can yeah. you forget about those? Uh, uh, yeah. It's one of those things where you know you just put it out of your mind. A little botany bay. Yeah. Ready to hand. Look at that. A little botany yeah. bay. Um, so, yes, it is my favorite Star Trek movie, uh, and it isn't number four uh, for me. I will say it was either between this and not to steal maybe somebody else's, but it was either this or the the Abrams reboot. I really love that Abrams mm-hmm. reboot movie as well. So, yes. so yeah. anyhow. But Rathacon is my number four. Uh, Andrew, what's your number four? Uh, this is definitely not going to get Trump by anybody because <laughs> I guarantee you nobody else has this movie on their list. Beavis and Butthead do America. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Okay. Speak on it. Guys, if you haven't seen this movie or if you haven't seen it in a really long time, please go back and watch it. This, mov- this movie is magic. I'm being dead serious when I say this is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this movie. I grew up watching Beavis and Butthead. There's a lot of love there, you know, going into this movie. Uh, so if if you're annoyed by the characters Beavis and Butthead, which I can totally understand and get why people are annoyed by the characters in Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I'm Corn Julio. <laughs> I need TP for my bunghole. But, you know, I eat, it up. I eat it up. I think that these guys are hilarious. And the journey that they go across the entire U.S. and all the things that they technically see but don't care about because all they want is just to get laid. They go to the Grand Canyon. They go to Hoover Dam. They see all this amazing stuff. They don't care. So it's there. It's this journey they go on. It is just so And the people they meet. You have actually an amazing voice cast in this movie too. Uh, Bruce Willis is in this movie. And so is, uh, uh, Mike Judge, obviously, and Demi Moore, and Cloris Leachman, Robert Stack. Everybody knows Robert Stack, obviously, from uh, you know, his work on like Airplane and uh, uh what was what he, he didn't do Cold Case Files. What did he? What he? What was he the voiceover for? It's a great Anybody question. Know? I knew that was my first thought when you mentioned Robert Stack, because I know he did like narration voiceover for a big mystery show. I immediately thought yeah. of uns- Unsolved Mysteries, but I, that that it's was probably actually Unsolved Mysteries. Was it? I, I couldn't remember which one he did. I don't. I didn't think that was Robert Stack, but um, but it could be. But anyhow, yeah. anyway, it, yeah, it uh, it's just great. It's it's super funny, and I really really recommend if you haven't seen it in a while go back going back and watching it i mean you're making me want to i love i love mike judge i really do um but this is not one of his that i remember coming away from going oh you genius you whereas some of the others like like i watch uh it was unsolved mysteries uh it was unsolved okay yeah yeah. um just to mention that I, i come away from some of the others that he's done and you know feel that way and it just this one just didn't hit me that way um but yeah yeah i mean he has a character in this which was the inspiration for uh hank hill in king of the hill mm-hmm. so yeah you know and that's that itself is one of my favorite shows which i love because i know i know so many hank hills yeah. in my if life if you've never seen king of the hill and you've mm-hmm. never seen sopranos king of the hill first 
then Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lauded as very similar shows. Yes. Covering Actually, a lot of the same Both ground. on the Mount Rushmore. You know, yeah. but you know, uh, from what from what Ian said, I think that the Mini Saints of Newark is a more appropriate origin story for King of the Hill than it was for the Sopranos. <laughs> apparently, nice. that's what I'm guessing. Uh, but anyway, th- yeah, uh, Beavis and Bed do America. That's my number four. What about you, Ian? What's your number four? Um, now you could have picked any of the movies from this franchise, other than two. Um, but Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I've just picked my favorite yes. uh, from the Trump. franchise. Oh, wait. Oh, oh Ghost Protocol. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you can, I think there's a few that you can pick, but of the... I kind of split them into two trilogies in my head at the minute, and of all of them, this is my favorite, especially of like, the new trilogy, which is just a weird way of putting it. But um, yeah, this film kind of reinvented... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ooh. Um this one kind of reinvented what they'd reinvented already. And it was the, the beats that you see in this film are repeated in um, Rogue Nation and Fallout. Um, and it's just a great template. It works. I love it. You get the team together. Um, the, the Burj Khalifa stuff is just stunning. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. and Dubai. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. stunning. Um, yeah, and I think this like is heights. where all of the, yeah, apart from that, this is where I think the almost, cliche of tom hanks doing all of his own stunts and running everywhere tom cruise i would love He'd to see tom H- i would love to see tom hanks on this movie <laughs> did i say tom hanks? <laughs> yeah you did yeah. tom, cruise. <laughs> tom holland tom holland film. tom hardy tom hanks isn't this isn't <laughs> isn't a uh, ghost protocol the the very famous uh tom cruise running down the uh the alley i mean he runs in all of his movies I but i think say, this is yeah. like the one that started it oh this and, is the uh, one yeah but I just—I yeah, would just imagine yeah. Forrest Gump running alongside him, you know. <laughs> yes, you know? overtaking him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But uh, it's great. This film is kind of where that came from. He'd done it before, but he really became yeah. cliche at it in this, and it's just a great, great film. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I I am a huge Mission Impossible uh, post Woo fan and pre Woo. Mission Impossible uh, outside of Wu. Uh, <laughs> just not two. <laughs> just just two, not though, two, like I said, Ben. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, I've never seen the show. It's, it's, it's a very old show. Yeah. So my yeah. only reference for Mission Impossible is the Tom Cruise movies. Yep. So. Yeah. Somehow I have managed to watch every episode of that show as well. Oh, wow. It obviously predates me by quite a while, but Was I Mission like Impossible it. a British show? Um. I no, I'm sure it was American, but I remember the production quality being very similar to the original series of Star Trek. I'm thinking um, of Get Smart. I think Get Smart was a British show, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah, The Avengers is a similar sort of thing that's yeah. very English. But they used exactly the same production company for the music. So the score is basically mm. lifted from the original series and plonked into Mission Impossible along with Leonard Nimoy. Um I mean it's catchy. So I just have very yeah, very fond memories of, of watching out with my dad. All right, on to our number threes. I'm glad you brought up the Avengers because my number three is no, it's not. It's not the Avengers. I, was about to, um, <laughs> I mean, Aaron, we're gonna have fighting no. words. That's Avengers Infinity War is my number three, based on the TV show The Avengers. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, you just, did not. No, just no. uh, <laughs> Aaron would do that just because he kn- knows I've already used my troll. veto for the year. Uh, no, I have the Muppet movie. 
at uh, at number three. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that's a good shout. I, I kind of went back and forth between the new The Muppets, which is also really fun, um, and the Muppet movie. But I just think, again, for nostalgia's sake and quotable sake and just what it means to me as, as a movie, uh, Muppet movie is the better choice for me. Um, it's so much fun. It's so good. Uh, I just, it's... And it's a good movie. It's a good story with a good yeah. journey and beginning, middle, and end. And um, yeah, I, I really and there's some meta ness to it that that I really enjoy. Um, so yeah, anyhow, Muppet movie is my number three. Yeah, my very stuff. first honorable mention was uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. There you go. Yeah, that I was, was the other one. If I was going to pick one, that yeah, that's it. the other one you could definitely definitely go with. Uh, what do you got? And Muppet Treasure Island is what, probably the funniest out of all their movies. What do you got at uh, number three, Andrew? This is where I have Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay, I'm going to trump that. Okay. Uh, Ian, what do you got at number three? Uh, Serenity. Ah, which is the yes. Firefly. Um, yeah. Well done for getting the right, um, <laughs> the right type. <laughs> yes. not, the, not, not, the, not the Matthew um, McConaughey Serenity. Um, no, no, not that weirdness. Um, yeah, this... <laughs> yes, this it is, is <laughs> Okay, we'll like move it. along. Like it. <laughs> it doesn't make you right. Um, so this, this is. <laughs> I love it. This, if if you're gonna do, I don't know. I can't speak impartially about this, but I feel like you can enjoy this as a standalone sci-fi adventure, and still be immensely gratified having watched the TV show as well. It's very um, uh, very similar to what The Sopranos was trying to do with Many Saints of Newark, right? You know, to, to have a yeah. uh, you know kind of although this isn't prequel this is sequel so i guess no this a, is a wrap-up yeah this, this is knew a wrap-up. that it was the yeah, last chance to, to tie the story yeah. up but um it's fantastic it's so i yeah. don't know how they pulled it off um it didn't have a massive budget but it has the it has the quality of a star wars and star trek film a great unpredictable story um where you, you genuinely don't know who's going to survive because it was the last we were going to see these people so if you're going to do something crazy do it but it still just doesn't spoiler. It doesn't just kill everybody because it can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love it. It's it's my my happy place. I agree. I had it in my honorable mm-hmm. mentions for sure. I I I do dig this uh, show and this movie uh, quite a bit. So yeah, nice choice. All right, on to yeah. uh, our number twos. I think is that right? I believe so. Yeah. All right, my what number t- my number two is Mission Impossible Fallout. So we can talk about that nice. now. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think this is the best Mission Impossible movie. For me, easy. just slight, not easy for me. For me, it is just slightly over the original. I think there, there's some really cool stuff with that original film um, mm-hmm. that, uh, that to this day has almost a different feel to it than any other Mission Impossible movie. Um, and again, the idea at the beginning was for a different director to take each one and kind of put their own stamp on it, um, which is interesting now that kind of Christopher McQuarrie kind of owns it. Um, and so it's, it's kind of interesting to see where it's gone. Uh, but man, fallout is just so good. There's so much, um, so many times you're watching fallout and you go, I've never seen that before. I've never seen anything yeah. like mm-hmm. that before. I can't yeah. believe this is happening. What is going on? And then you have that added thing in the back of your brain where it's like, Cruz is doing this. Like it's just <laughs> that, just that little added thing in the back of your brain that just yeah. keeps going. This man is a maniac. Um, he should not be in that helicopter. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yes. Um, I think you can find flaws in this movie, but they are certainly easy to uh, to 
uh, overlook compared to how much fun and how interesting and how just compelling uh, what's going on here is. So, yeah, big fan of Fallout. For just me, Henry Cavill just pumping his yeah, arms that's right. into action. <laughs> Charging the biceps. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's a... There's a, For me, it's easy to say that Fallout is the best Mission Impossible movie because I think it's also one of the best movies ever made. There are so many moments, like action sequences in this movie, where if you told me that was your favorite part of the movie... I couldn't argue with you because during the entire movie, as it, the first time I was watching, I'm like he jumps, you know, out of the helicopter, and it's that one shot of him trying to, you know, fix Henry Cavill's, you know, oxygen before pulling the parachute. I'm like, oh, that's the best scene in the movie. Then there's the bathroom fight scene. You're like, oh, that's the best part of the movie. <sighs> and then there's the, uh, you know, the the chase, you know, uh, through uh, Paris. You know, oh, that's the best part of the movie. And then there's in the helicopter chase, you know, the that dog fight. You're like, oh, that's the best part of the movie. <laughs> any any <laughs> section, I'm like, yeah, I would agree with you that that's the best part of the movie. It's just so good. And the I whole think it's movie elevated. is the best part of the movie. The whole movie <laughs> yes. is the best part of the movie. Yeah. yeah, I was shocked how much I loved Henry Cavill as the villain because I didn't know he had that in him. You know, he's always mm-hmm. played you know the charming, debonair, kind you know hero. To see him turn that villain on, I'm like, oh, you got layers to you. I like that. You're a little onion, aren't you? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. very good. Yeah. Uh, what do you got at number two, Andrew? Uh, I am actually going to go with The Untouchables. It's a great choice. Oh, Sean nice. Connery, Kevin Kashner movie. This, uh, again, never seen the show, but woo, this movie is so good. This movie is amazing. I mean, Sean Connery is just chewing scenery. It's it's obvious why he won Best Supporting Actor. It's the only thing he was ever nominated for for the Academy, and, it's, and he won um, for good reason, because he's working on another level here. Um, also, uh, Robert De Niro, if you're going to have anybody play a, a, a mob boss, you know, like Capone, you got to get either Pesci, De Niro, or Ray Liotta. They chose, <laughs> they chose De Niro. And yeah, he, they chose right. That scene with the baseball bat is insane. I love a movie. If you're going to do a mob movie, I think this is the way to do it. Uh, especially for some with uh, Aaron's taste, you know, where you actually have somebody that you can root for. You know, the uh, I've always liked whenever it comes to mob movies, even ones where movies like Goodfellas or uh, anything like that. It's the Icarus story, you know, like, uh, are you going to fly too close to the sun? Where are you going to fall? Where's the fall coming? Seeing this side of it, you know, where, you know, the hard work and everything that goes into it to bring down somebody like Al Capone. And you see the corruption along the way. And you're just like rooting for Kevin Costner, like, yeah, you're the law, but the shadow of Capone and what and the terror that he has over this whole city. And it envelops not only cops and other mobsters, but judges and, and you know, his reach is crazy. Mm. So I find this to be an absolutely thrilling movie. I love it. Yeah. Um I, I'll just say one thing because I think it's it's been mentioned twice and I just want to clarify one thing. 
uh, I and I think I've clarified this before, but just in case somebody knew is you probably have, but I keep I keep no 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 it's fine flubbing it it's it's not that I need someone to root for in a movie. There are plenty of movies I love where I don't have anyone to root for. What I need is something to root for. So I need uh, like I have to have like and it's not a need even, but it's a priority. Like it's a you know in my list of like what what I like to get from a movie. It's high on the priority list. Sure, is the idea that the movie has a message. It's telling me something. Um, and that could be dark. It could be, you know, um, the uh, the consequences of an action, whatever. But I have mm-hmm. to come to the end of it and go, okay, I resonate with, you know, um, what I was being compelled to think about in this movie and what I was being compelled to uh, want to happen in this movie. If I come away from a movie like a mob movie uh, many times, it's not just that I'm not rooting for any of them. It's that I'm not sure what the movie is telling me about them. I'm not sure what the what the movie wants me to think about them. You know, the perspective doesn't feel clear to me uh, with a lot of uh, mob movies. So, um, yeah. just to just kind of twist that clarification knob just a little bit because um, it's yeah. not just that I need a hero in every single movie I watch, um, but I do prioritize uh, you know some sort of compelling theme that makes me go, okay, I understand what I'm rooting for here. Not just who I. Yeah, don't worry, for. I'll mess it up again. Later. No, I know, I know. It's it's, <laughs> and I don't, I don't blame you. But I just thought I'd clarify. I'll forget. Uh, yeah, that's right. my uh, number two. Ian, what's your uh, number two? Um, so my number two is the Untouchables. Hey! <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I flipping love this film so so much. Echo yeah. everything that Andrew said. The the scene with the pram in the it's in the train station, isn't it? Um, yeah. The, yeah, that is oh, that, that, every time. It was time, just one shot. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. I don't know how it's going to end, even though I've seen the film 15, 20 <laughs> times. I still don't know. Um, is it going to go off the it's roof? It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Such, such, such a good film. I love it. Uh, all right. I guess it's time for a number ones. Um, uh, my number one is The Fugitive. Um, so that's my. It was uh, in my honorable mentions on my list of shame. Oh, you should see it. Uh yeah. I, I, it's it's really good. It's one of my fa- uh favorite uh relationship performances ever in film. The Tommy Lee Jones Harrison Ford quote unquote relationship in this movie if you can call it that is just so compelling to me and um you know this this is this is classic, you know, uh innocent guy in bad situation. <laughs> movie making and it's it's I just didn't so do great. it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't know when Tommy Lee Jones became Venom, but uh Venom? But, <laughs> but yeah. Harris, <laughs> you're guilty. Uh yeah. now no. he's become Saw. He's become Jigsaw. Yeah, it's Jigsaw. Now. <laughs> Jigsaw. Tommy Lee Jones as Jigsaw in The I Fugitive. Um <laughs> So that's, anyhow that scene though. That yeah. scene where he's Harrison Ford is great in this, but Tommy Lee Jones has like all the memorable stuff. Not all, but most of the memorable stuff. You know, outhouse, hen house, dog house. That whole speech is houses. That whole speech is just so incredible. The I don't care. That line is just you know iconic. I don't Um, care. It's it's so good. Uh, He just has, and then he jumps. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is. Guy just did a Peter Pan right off here in front of me, or whatever he says. You know, like that. he just—he's got such great lines, and uh, yeah. the movie is super compelling. Uh, takes place in Chicago during a time where I was near Chicago, and so it has that thing in my brain too, where I was like, "Oh, I've been there, I've been there." 
you know, you kind of thing. switch the samples. Um, so, yeah, Fugitive is great, great stuff. It's my number one. It really uh, is. Based on TV show. Oh, and God. Again, I'm going to rewatch that today. I, I've never seen the uh, original show either, but uh, but love yeah. the movie. So, Andrew, what's your number one? I'm going to go with a little ditty called Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I, was high up in my honorable mentions. I, I couldn't to quite list. put, I couldn't make myself consider this based on a TV show, but I, but it, I get it. It's, it's based on it. a TV show because it's the same actors that did the TV, the same comedy troupe that did the it's TV the group, show. I, yeah. I get that, but, um, so I'm but not going to veto it or anything, but yeah. yeah. Or I probably I mean, would have had it in my The top same five. with the Muppets, you know? Same with the Muppets. It's the same group. <laughs> fair. I think he's got fair. a point. No, yeah. that's a fair point. Fair point. So yeah. there you go. So Monty Python yeah. is my number five instead of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Then <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go, go, go ahead. <laughs> say, uh, yeah, it's one of the funniest movies. It's probably the most quoted movie of all time. We've talked about this movie a trillion times. And uh, me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and your number Star Trek, uh, Ian. I mean number one, <laughs> Ian is. Yep. I'm curious if your hey. favorite is the same as my favorite. Well, is does the day of the weekend in a why? Because Ian's going to talk about a Star Trek film again. <laughs> uh, so depending, depending which way the wind blows, it jumps between First Contact, The Wrath of Khan, and The Undiscovered Country. So mm. I've gone with The Undiscovered Country today because I've okay. talked about The Wrath of Khan so much. Um, this, to come out with the sixth movie in a series and to knock it out of the park with something really original that is basically a, a two-part bottle episode... Um, that still it still has events that affect the entire Star Trek universe is just brilliant. And these are guys that should have retired 15, 20 years ago, and they still just it's the the camaraderie in this film is better than in in any of the others. I feel like um, and, and they're apart for a good chunk of it. They're not even together, um, but no, I think this film is is fantastic. So good. Yeah, I need to revisit it. I honestly, you know, uh, I kind of blew through a lot of the Star Trek movies at one point, you know, when I was just like, oh, I need to catch up on these. And I remember mm-hmm. liking it. Um, I remember very much being like, oh, when people were like the evens are the best movies, they were right. I remember feeling that way as I was watching them all just like, yeah, for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah. It's not wrong. Um, yeah. It feels the, that way. The scene around the, the dinner table um, is just so good. It has one of my favorite lines where they're, they're arguing with the Klingons and McCoy is McCoy turns to a group of Klingons and says, "Where's your humanity?" And they all look at each other and just like, "That's the dumbest thing you've ever said." We're not human, <laughs> and it's just everyone stops and thinks, "Oh, we are judging them by our standards and mm-hmm. not respecting yeah. that they are their own people." Such an important message. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Best ever movies. Based first on- contact is the best one, by the way. Oh, that's that's yeah. You know what? Most days of the week, I'd agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I do enjoy. I'm first a next contact gen well. guy. That's my thing. I'm yeah. an exchange. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have not seen uh, Undiscovered Country yet, so oh. I just added it to my list. So it's good. Nice. Yeah, it's good. Uh, some honorable mentions. I'll go ahead and run through a few. Man from Uncle. I got I've, a lot, so just uh, knock them off your <laughs> Man from Uncle is worth mentioning, I think. Um, yeah. Simpsons movie is worth mentioning. Uh, yeah, that was on mine. Naked Gun. Have to mention na- the Naked Gun movies. Um, so good. Yeah. South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut uh, is definitely worth mentioning. Uh, 21 Jump Street, I think, is really, really funny. Uh, Those movies are so, they shouldn't be as good as they are. Twenty one and twenty two jumps. Yeah, they're, they're really funny. They're really good. Speaking of really funny, a very recent one, Sean the Sheep Farmageddon. Uh, wanted to mention that one. 
That, have you awesome. seen it, Ian? Have you seen it? I haven't. You would haven't, love this actually. movie. You would love this movie. I'm, I'm telling you, it. the sci-fi references in this movie are so beautifully subtle but perfect. Um, awesome. This, this. I thought it was aimed much, much younger. I thought it was wasn't on the same level as well as it is it. aimed firmly at two different age groups and somehow works. Um, it Excellent. is. It is. Uh, it's a really good movie. Um, and really fun. I laughed out loud. And it's it's basically a uh, a silent film in many ways. You know what I mean? Like there's not yeah. there's not dialogue in it. Um, so there's a lot of physical humor and definitely a lot of references that you're going to see and love, especially if you love sci-fi. Awesome. So yes, uh, Shaun the Sheep Farmageddon uh, wanted to mention that as well. Um, what other honorable mentions did uh, you have, Andrew? <clears throat> so I. <laughs> Uh, this this one would have definitely been pushing the boundaries of um TV show to movie. I, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Just based solely for the characters, you the know? IP, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I would be the only person in the world who would ever mention this movie. But Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters and now on DVD. <laughs> I remember that's, it. That's literally the title for the movie. Nice. Yeah. And they actually spell out colon, C-O-L-O-N. So. Nice. Aqua Teen nice. Hunger for colon movie film for theaters and now on DVD. It's like a Borat title. Yeah, I think it, it is, is like the longest movie title I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ian, what about you? Um, so um, the Mr. Bean movie, the original nice. one, um, not mm. Mr. Bean's Holiday. I flipping love that film. It gets me talking about nearly silent movies. Like yeah. oh yeah, main character is essentially mute. Um, I love it. Uh, the Simpsons was on my list as well. Not great, but I think it's it's still I really watchable like and worth movie. mentioning. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, there's some moments in it that are really laugh out loud. Um, I I don't think anyone's going to agree with me on this, but the X Files movies—they're a hot mess, <laughs> but I enjoy them. I just I like the characters. I just—they didn't do what I, I wanted that. them to do, but I just fight the future I like is the okay. IP. Fight the future is okay. It's- yeah, fight the future is fine. Yeah. It's just I watched it before I watched any of the series, so I was like, "What's uh, going on?" Okay, that was a mistake. It takes place between <laughs> four and five, and that that was dumb. Um, and my last one is the Doctor Who TV movie, which came out in. <laughs> It came out in 1997, uh-huh. yeah. no. I believe, but it was set on Christmas Eve 1999. Um, it gave us Paul McGann as Doctor yeah. Who, who is a fantastically underrated Doctor. Um, the film was pretty much panned. It was supposed to revive the series in America, but just didn't do well enough. Nobody was interested. But I love it. It's a great story. Great, um, great performances. I I just love it, and it, it just I happened to watch it the day after I met Tom Baker, so oh, that's, that's got a, a special memory. That's yeah, amazing. Really cool. Uh, in the chat, Jose says uh, Blues Brothers. If we're including SNL, uh, is one worth mentioning. Yeah, oh, that is a really good pick. And uh, producer Phil says, um, Wayne's World is based on a TV show that aired on a local public access television program in Aurora, Illinois. I'll have let you know. Uh, so thank you, uh, Ooh, producer Phil. Correct you. Uh, all right. Then let- it's even more meta than I thought. <clears throat> there you go. Uh, <laughs> let's move into our buried treasure. Uh, what's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Ian, you're our guest, so you get to go last. Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off? Uh, what are you What are you here to talk about? Are you still on your quest of the years you were born? 
That's right, Aaron. We're going to go all the way back to 1988. Jamaica had a bobsled team. Stephen Hawking released A Brief History of Time. Rick Astley promised to never give you up. I turned two years old, and a little ditty of a movie was released that was called Grave of the Fireflies. Ah, Um, What a happy, fun, go-lucky film. Right, just good feelings all over the place. Yeah, Yeah, uh, if neither of you have seen it, that it was total sarcasm. It is an incredibly depressing movie. It's a... uh, anime film that came out uh, obviously in 1988 but it is about the final like uh the final days of uh japan uh during world war ii uh, about this young boy trying to take care of his toddler sister as they try and survive a japan that is being bombed by u.s planes um very much, you know, obviously it's a Japanese uh, animated film, so uh, very much portraying, you know, the Americans as the, uh, the the monsters in the air that, you know, destroy everything. But it, it, but it is still accessible because you can re- kind of relate to that, that sentiment of, you know, patriotism, even... F- it's, even though it's not for your country, you can re- recognize and understand it for somebody else. So them seeing uh, this young boy seeing his country be destroyed and like hit everybody's starving and you know everybody's wounded and easily one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. Uh, but in a also in a way one of the most beautiful because the the beauty that they find him and his little sister uh, find around them as they try and survive and in this pretty much hole in the ground. Like every night the fireflies come out and it's, you know, she just falls in love with it. And like the little things that they're, you know, trying to hold on to. Uh, Yeah. I I probably won't ever watch this one again, uh, but I'm glad that I finally got around to watching it. Uh, I have a feeling that there's going to come a time whenever I have all of these movies on my uh, list of uh, list of shame. There's going to come one where I'm going to be like, yeah, I saw it, but I don't recommend it, even though it's my buried treasure. Um, <laughs> but it's not this one. I think that this is a very fascinating movie. Uh, just a content warning. It is depressing. Yeah. Reminds I, me, I recently knocked off my list of shame, Watership Down, um, which is mm. a, an animated That'll film. That'll do it, too. Yeah, it's kind of that same thing. It's like, oh, animated bunny oh, rabbits, yay, what are bunnies. you doing to me? Uh, yeah, kind yeah. of experience uh, with that one. Well. What it is about animated films that get really emotional and aren't happy hit me really hard. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I think it's the expectation that this is meant to be for kids and it should be uplifting, and it's, it's really not. Mm-hmm. It's going to make you cry. Secret yeah. of Nim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Just the opening to Bambi. Speaking of dark. Uh, I'm going to talk about Squid Game uh, for my very (laughs) treasure. Yeah. 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 yeah, So Squid Game came out on Netflix and just immediately took the world by storm. I see it everywhere. Uh, People are talking about it. And uh, it is one of those experiences where if you watch the first episode of this show, it's hard to imagine you won't be compelled to watch more. Like it's just, it's one of those drag you in tie you down make you watch kind of shows 
Yeah. It adds to that as the season goes on. I have watched the f- entire first season. I've watched all nine episodes. I was about to ask. Um, Ian, I know you've watched at least a few of them. Um, yeah, I'm three episodes in. Okay. So I haven't finished Andrew, yet. have you? I just, fini- I just finished the fourth episode. Okay. All right. So. All right. It is one of those shows that simultaneously gets better and worse as you watch it. You watch the first episode and you're like, oh, this is amazing. You watch future episodes and it's like, oh, this is more than amazing, but also maybe not so good. Uh, because it does have moments, especially towards the end of the season, where just some acting is really bad. Uh, some um, mm. some things happen that feel like really forced. Um, but I will say this. The themes of this show are so solid and the performances, especially of the Korean actors, are so good, by the way. Please yeah. watch subbed, not dubbed uh, with this mm, because yeah. these performances yeah. come to life uh, with the way that they're speaking. And there are so many moments. There, there are two kinds of moments that blow me away with this show. Number one, the audacity moments uh, that this show has, uh, which it needs when you've got a show like this. Which, by the way, I haven't given a lot of the the plot, but, um, but I kind of don't want to give a lot away other than to say, think, um, you know, Battle Royale, Hunger Games... Um, you know, um, yeah, a little bit of saw, uh, but all of that, um, you know, meets some sort of like eat the rich drama, you know, that's really about class. It's really about, you know, there's just a lot going on here. So, so the, those audacity moments are shocking, transgressive, crazy, um, and powerful, but then it has these smaller moments, these smaller dramatic moments that are increase depth and beauty and you know themes and messages and um and i guess there's a third i would throw in there which is story turns or you might call them twists or whatever this show has several of them where it's like wow i can't believe you just did that i you know um just overall it's just really well done stuff and Again, we'll throw out all the literal trigger warnings uh, with this one. Um, you know, there mm-hmm. are there's a lot that happens in this, and it is doesn't shy away from the graphic violence, um, sexuality, uh, language, all of the above. Uh, you know, anything that you might yeah. think um, you, you know will be here, but uh, but yeah, Squid Game is one of those one of those things that uh, is gathered a lot of buzz, and I think rightfully so um, because it's just yeah. so. It just feels, even though you can feel the DNA of other things, like I said, it just feels so fresh and unique, and that's that's hard to do. So I, I would go so far as to say, uh, with both of you having watched at least the first three, the second episode does something I did not see coming at all, and it is so yeah. brilliant, uh, yeah, and it, it's just a brilliant way for the show to, first of all, uh, be counterintuitive and countermand your expectations. Uh, and at the same time, also purposely create deeper story. Uh, and I've just, I, yeah. it shocked me. And I was like, you fine humans are geniuses um, yeah, for, for doing that. Well so, and the show continues to have those moments throughout. So, so yeah, Squid yeah, Game. If it, yeah. If it wasn't, obviously I haven't watched the whole show, but if it wasn't for moments like the one you're talking about, and the ramifications that it leads storytelling wise, if it didn't have those, then it would probably feel a lot more like Saw or right, Battle right. Royale. Right. But the fact that those elements of it talk about, you know, like you said, class structure and uh, 
the worth of you know what value do you put on you know certain things um and what do you think you're you're worth uh it's a fascinating social commentary mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of yeah, metaphor here too there's a lot of metaphor here too where you what's going on with these playground games is a metaphor for real life and a metaphor for getting ahead and being successful. And what does that mean? And, you know, we, we don't see ourselves when we make decisions in real life as murdering someone or allowing someone to die, but in many ways, uh, you know, financially or whatever, that is what we're doing. Like that metaphor is, adds a really interesting spin to the decisions people make to pursue, pursue quote unquote success. And I, the movie is just so ripe with that stuff, and it's it's just it's show, uh, you know, sure, whatever. Uh, it it feels like a it feels like a nine <laughs> a nine hour movie to me, or seven hours, or whatever it ends up being. I mean, but but yeah, yeah. And I, we we didn't even really talk about the production quality of this, but yeah, it if calling it a movie, yeah, I get it. It it looks incredible, and uh, yeah. Uh, and again, I will I'm just, enjoying it. I will, I will just mention, especially the, there's a very specific moment for me where there were parts that that I was just like, "Oh, that that's not good. That's that's pretty bad." Um, but it, some of the performances, especially, um, but mm. that's okay. That's okay. I still was I still was right with it. There's there's um, so yeah. Anyhow, there you go. Squid Game. Uh, Ian, finish us off. What is your buried treasure? Uh, I'm going to bury the lead slightly and give you a description and not tell you what it is. Oh. Mm. So this has got um, James McAvoy in it, okay. Daisy, Daisy Ridley, okay. um, Willem Dafoe, okay. and it is repeating the same 12 minutes over and over again. It is not a movie. It is a video game. Oh. It's just you don't usually get three big names and that kind of time loop thing in a video game because it's so hard to replicate a time loop without being monotonous. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like a game that you're going to get hours and hours and hours and hours and hours out of. Um, I think the average is about kind of 12 hours roughly to complete it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is brilliant. I was drawn to it because I miss, I haven't had a lot of free time to play video games lately. And this was pitched as you can pick this up, play for 20 minutes it will probably suck you in for an hour, but you can put it down and come back to it because the concept is you are replaying the same 12 minutes, but as the story progresses, you discover more and more on each loop. So certain things will reveal themselves through each loop. It is technically possible to do it on the first loop, on the first time round, but I don't see how you would be able to without experimenting um and just just to jump in just to jump in because we haven't said explicitly the name of the game is 12 minutes um the name of the game is 12 minutes yeah yeah correct yeah um so the really brief concept is um you play james mcavoy who comes in um to his home his fiance is there waiting for him and i won't say anything else but very quickly in about 12 minutes Um, something happens which causes the day to reset. And there are certain things you will do which will trigger the time loop to reset. Um, If it gets to the end of the 12 minutes and you haven't hit the resolution, it will reset. But your character is obviously aware of that. Um, There are some hilarious moments. There are some shocking moments when you're like, I've really got to make a decision here because I need to get out of this loop. And do I have to do something terrible to get out of it? 
Um, it's fantastic. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's on uh, Xbox, but if you have a Microsoft Windows computer, you can just download it from their um, from their app store as well. Nice. Yeah, it's brilliant. That is 12 minutes uh, video game available to you. Squid Game is on Netflix. Grave of the Fireflies is available for rent. Uh, Apple TV, Vudu, different places like that as well. Yep. Uh, we did it, guys. We did a podcast. Ooh, Congratulations. Um, you can check that one off we the bucket well. list. Uh, you did an episode of a podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Uh, thank you to Drew for doing some visuals for the show. Yeah, buddy. That's and, a new one. Uh, that is a new one. And uh, thank nice. you to Ian for hanging out with us again this week. Ian, uh, plug anything you want to, man. And um, thank you for having me again, guys. Um, just find me on Twitter um, at Galactic underscore Dave or on an Englishman and an Irishman go to the movies, which is a movie podcast about movies that you can pod wherever pods are cast. There you go. So, uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at $3 a month. Some of the different uh, features at different levels include all the bonus episodes uh, that we do in your own podcast feed without ads, uh, as well as some other uh, fun perks uh, that you can find there. Uh, all that is at patreon.com slash Lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to comment, leave a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, and if you've got an email you want to send us, something you want to know, question, comment, whatever, you can hit us up at feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than growing up with a solid grasp on mental health as a soprano. Uh, we will be back <laughs> next week uh, with No Time to Die uh, finally coming out, so we're going to do some James Bond next week. And we will see you then. Thank you, video watchers. Uh, We love you guys. Uh, Gotta run. We got a spoiler cast uh, to record. And uh, and then I've got a hard out coming up. So we don't have a lot of time to stay in chat. Appreciate you being here. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye. 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 Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.